Amen. Everybody ready to read? All right. Verse number two of the prophet Isaiah. Here's what the Bible says. It says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoils. For you have broken the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. For or because unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now before I get into what this scripture is teaching, let me remind everybody of what's taking place. Isaiah is prophesying to a very oppressed people. It'd be just like what we're going through in America today or issues in people's life and God sends the prophet with a message and you'll notice the very first part of this prophecy he's talking about how yokes will be broken can you say amen, amen. he talks about the rod of the oppressor and even the enemies it says their shoes and their fuel uh, will be used for fuel for fire and their clothes that have been bloodied from war are going to be used to warm the fire. God has said, I'm going to turn every evil thing into something good. See, only God can do that. And he's encouraging the people that I know it's difficult. And I know you're going through some hard times. He said, but the zeal of the Lord is going to do this. He's going to turn everything around. And that's why I always encourage people, you've got to always keep looking up. Say amen. You can never worry about what's going on around you. You always got to know that God has a word no matter how deep you find yourself in problems, how depressed your mind is. God is always on the throne. He is always on the job. And then he says, the reason this is going to happen is because a child will be born. And I'm going to tell you folks Jesus changes everything. And so that's why I said earlier, this is the time of the year when you just talk about Jesus. You talk about our salvation. You know, I can get up here and talk about marriage and talk about sin and discipleship and obedience. 
I can stand up here today and talk about depression and insecurities in life. I can talk about healing and talk about demons and thousands of subjects in the Bible. And you all would respond and we'd pray and have a good time. But you know, today is Jesus' day. Today is the day when the church reminds the world that it's all about Jesus. Those other subjects are wonderful. But at the end of the day, we are saved because of Jesus. Y'all say the name Jesus. And he says all of the victories that God has promised you, what he's promised the nation of Israel, he said is because a child is born and he says his name would be wonderful. Now what I want to talk about today is just this prophecy. I call it this wonderful prophecy of Christmas. It's Isaiah's word to the children of Israel and it's God's word to you and I today. Listen, I, I can turn on any radio station, any internet channel, any TV station and try my best to find something to lift me up and encourage me and it won't take two or three minutes before it'll be something depressing me. But see, I can open the word of God like we did today and I can instantly feel God lifting me knowing that you know what, it looks bad now but it's going to be better because of Jesus. Can you all say amen today? Amen. All right, so let me begin, first of all, by talking to you about the word here in the Bible, and that is his name will be called wonderful. Everybody say wonderful. wonderful. Now listen, it's a good word. And you've heard me describe this word by talking about how it means something that is incomprehensible that pretty much leaves you in awe. And so when we talk about something wonderful, we'll say, hey, hey, I heard some wonderful news and all you heard is that a check was in the mail. You know, hey, so-and-so got a new car. Oh man, you see that's a wonderful car they got. And all it is is a new Chevy or a new Ford. And so what happened is the word has lost so much from biblical days. But I want to take you back to what the word actually means. It actually means that something is so incomprehensible that you're left unable to speak. And when we use the word awesome or something is in awe, basically what we're doing is we're standing in front of something and nothing comes out. Amen. It's like, what do you say? Why? Because it is awesome. It is a wonder. It is wonderful. This is why they talk about the, the, the wonders of the world. And if you are familiar with these, they have seven natural wonders of the world and then the seven man-made wonders of the world. And the whole idea is these are things that nature has made that when you see them, you just kind of stand there with nothing to say. They are wonders. And even the ones that are man-made wonders, they're, they're, they're so amazing that man in his wisdom from God could create such amazing things that you stand there just going, you know, I flew on a, 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 a A380 Airbus from France down to Johannesburg, South Africa. And when I saw that airplane pulling into the gate, knowing that I was going to get on it, I actually got scared. If you've never seen one, look it up. Don't do it now because I know y'all be Googling like crazy in church. The A380 Airbus is the one that has the, 
the downstairs and the upstairs it looks like a looks like a big whale the way the front of the plane looks and it's uh, it's just amazing you know and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking you know five to six hundred people plus the weight of the plane plus all the electronics and all the bags and all the cargo and that thing is gonna stay in the air it's like I don't even want to get on it. It's way too big. And I'm just looking at it going, man made that. It's one of the big wonders of the world. But right here in the United States, we have two of the seven wonders of the world. We have the Grand Canyon out in Arizona, and we also have Niagara Falls up in, in, on the New York and uh, Canadian border. Now, the picture of Niagara Falls should be up there right now. It's a pretty amazing place. I've been there. I know Brother Eric showed me some pictures when he went there. And when you stand there looking at this water, you don't realize what you're dealing with. You're dealing with almost 2 million gallons of water each day going over this thing. You got to think about how much water that is. It's like a, a freight train when it's rumbling and, and the mist is flying and the water is rumbling and the ground is shaking and you just keep thinking, where's all this water come from? It seems like there's a never-ending flow and you're just day after day after day and people just stand there taking pictures and they're just standing there like this, like you know, only God can do something like that. Come on, y'all say amen with me. Y'all know Donald Trump and Joe Biden can't make stuff like this. That's why I don't understand why people put their trust in them. Put your trust in God who can do wonders. Come on, say amen. It is awesome. You know, then I have a picture up here of the largest polar bear on record. Now, I saw this polar bear. Now look at the polar bear in comparison to the size of an average six-foot man. Take a look at it. Now when Barbara and I went to Alaska, we went to Anchorage, they have this polar bear stuffed. It was actually original. They shot him, killed him, and stuffed him and put him in an upright position like he's going to attack somebody. And it says he's over 11 feet tall, 1,400 pounds. Now you imagine being out in the woods and coming up with one of this brother right here. You know, you won't even be able to run. You're just going to be standing there. Hopefully you can at least pray. But you know, I remember standing in front of this thing for about 15 minutes, just looking up at it, going, only God can do something like that. Come on, folks, that's a wonder to me. That a bear can be so big, so strong, and so powerful. And they say the Kodiak Island bears even grow bigger than the polar bears. And I didn't even want to see one of them because they're like 12 and a half feet and 1,600 pounds. And so stay away from Alaska if you ain't saved. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Listen, a wonder is something that leaves you in awe. It leaves you without words to say. And that is what the prophet Isaiah says about Jesus. Amen. He's telling the children of Israel that times are difficult. You've gone through so much. He said, but because this child is going to be born. And here we are on the other side of the birth of Christ. 
We can look back and celebrate Christmas and we can receive Christ. We can receive baptism. We can get saved. We can pray to him for healing and for deliverance. We know that God is good. Isn't that right? Come on, everybody. See, but we're on the other side. But these are people who didn't have too much hope. And he says, a child is going to be born. And it's going to break the yoke of all the enemies over people's life. And going to bring you freedom and joy and great deliverance. And he tells us in this text that we read, says his name shall be wonderful. In other words, when you say the name of Jesus, it's not just going to leave people in awe. But the whole world is going to be transformed simply by saying the name Jesus. Now, let me tell you what I love about Bible prophecy, because this is a prophecy that we read. Because this is not just a Bible story. This is God 800 years before Jesus was born, telling the children of Israel, your deliverance is going to come in the form of a Messiah, a child that's going to be born with a wonderful name. Now, I'm sure that they probably struggled with that. Just like you and I would struggle with it. You know, if you're going through a bankruptcy or you're going through some difficulty in your life, as many people are right here sitting to me, listening to me right now, and I would have come up to you and say, listen, your problems are going to be solved by a baby being born over at Emory Hospital, you know, on the 25th. And when that child is born, it's going to fix all of your problems. Y'all going to look at me like I've lost my mind. Some of y'all see y'all so spiritual. Oh, not me, Pastor. Okay, all right. Next time some of y'all come to me, ask me for some money, I'm going to say, listen, next month a child's going to be born. And when that child is born, they're going to write you a check and all your money probably, you're going to be looking at me like I'm crazy. This is how crazy it was for God to tell them, listen, the world's problems are going to be solved because a baby's going to be born with a wonderful day. Now, we can understand it now because we can say Jesus and we can pray to Jesus and we can worship Jesus. But I want you to think about back then how they must have seen this. This is what I love about Bible prophecy. Because Bible prophecy is the number one proof of biblical authenticity. When I say number one, I mean number one. Nothing else proves the authenticity of this book we call the Bible as the Word of God, nothing brings authenticity like Bible prophecy. 800 years before Jesus was born, the prophet says, a child will be born with a wonderful name and he's going to change the world. Amen. And guess what, saints? It happened exactly like God said it was going to happen. Now again, we're sitting here and we're rejoicing and we're pretending like, oh, this is not a struggle, praise God. But you got to put yourself back 800 years ago and think about what it means when someone says, you know, hey, 800 years from now, the world is going to be like this. You're going to look at me and say, well, pastor, how would you know that? Well, because God said so. Amen. We don't even have to say 800 years from now. All we need to say is 50 years from now. All we need to say is 100 years from now. What if I were to tell you that your child is going to have 18 children 25 years from now? Well, my daughter's trying right now. But, but, 
just just think about what it means, you know, to say something outlandish like that, right? You know, I tell you, Brother Jerome, you know, he's got them two nice little boys. Say, so you know what? Jamie going to have 35 children 50 years from now. And then 50 years from now, he got 35 children. You go, Man, Pastor, how did you know that? See, that's what Bible prophecy does. It's amazing. It's a wonder. Say amen. amen. That God knows tomorrow, that he knows next month, that he knows next year. He knows five years, a hundred years. He knows 800 years into the future. And he tells them, you don't have to worry about your enemies forever. You don't have to worry about crying forever. You don't have to worry about poverty forever. Because when this child, Jesus, comes into the world, you have a means of prayer and salvation. You have a direct line to God. You have an ability to know God personally, not through rituals and not through ordinances. It's going to change everything about the entire world because his name shall be wonderful. Listen, Listen, that excites me here tonight. It's a wonderful name. Now, some of you have heard some of the essays that I'm going to read to you today. Um, some of these are quite old, but many of them are so powerful because they put in perspective the reality of what Isaiah the prophet says when he says, This child will be born, and his name shall be wonderful. Now, this first one that I'm going to read to you is called One Solitary Life. We're talking about the life of Jesus. There's been thousands of people who claim to be great, who've lived in this world and have walked the earth and have claimed to be somebody special. But there's something very unique about Jesus. And I'm going to tell you what it is. It's what the Isaiah the prophet said. His name is wonderful. Now, listen. It says... He was born in an obscure village. The child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another obscure village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never went to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things usually associated with greatness. He had no credentials except himself. He was only 33. His friends ran away, one of them denied him, he was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property he had on this earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Nineteen centuries have come and gone, and today Jesus is the central figure of the human race. The leader of mankind's progress, all the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, all the parliaments that have ever sat, 
all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of mankind on earth as powerful as his one solitary life. Now you know what I enjoy about reading that little essay? Is that there is nothing significant about Jesus. He could have been from Decatur. He could have been from Duluth. He could have been from Tucker, Georgia. He could have been from downtown Atlanta. No university degree. You know, no professional credentials. No nothing. But he's a man who the Bible said had a wonderful name. And he left people in awe at his teachings and what he was able to do with casting out of demons and healing of sick and preaching the kingdom of God. He left his mark on the world and the essay says uh, all the armies, all the navies, all the governments, everything, no one has affected life like Jesus. Well, what made him so unique? This is what the prophet said. A child will be born and his name will be wonderful. You all need to say amen to that today. And here we are today in Atlanta, 2021. And can I remind everybody that if you get to know Jesus, his name is still wonderful. Amen. Hallelujah. His name was designed by God to do what other names cannot do. That's why the prophet said his name would be a name that would inspire awe in people's life. Now you know most names have great significance, particularly in the Bible and among the Jewish people. Do you know that names are designed for specific purposes, as in to recognize family origin? Right? You know, like a you know, Brother William Cornelius, his last name is Johnson. And so Johnson, somewhere back in his family line, there was someone named John and he had a son. That's all it means. Same thing with William's son and Tom's son and Jackson. They, 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 those names recognize family origin. But if they don't recognize family origin, they identify family, you know, what we call vocation, as in Baker. Guess where Baker came from? People who baked. You know, names like Smith, people who were blacksmiths or people who were singers or whatever the case may be. So names are designed, you know, to family identity or family vocation. And then some names are designed simply to, to, to convey character, like Alexander the Great. Ivan the Terrible. Did y'all go through history class? Y'all remember these people? Yeah. William the Conqueror. <laughs> Vladimir the Impaler. That was Dracula. <laughs> so names were designed for a specific purpose. See, but Jesus' name was designed to do nothing but to leave you in awe. So that the world would hear that name and they would react in some unique kind of way. There is something about that name. We used to sing a song when I first got saved. It said, Jesus, 
There's just something about that name. You know, and it was the simplest little chorus, but we would raise our hands, and every time we would sing it, it would just move people. All you're saying is Jesus, Jesus. Maybe them demons in the service got stirred up. I don't know. But when you say the name of Jesus, come on, folks, things begin to happen. The Bible said his name would be wonderful. Come on. You know, I've been around the world a few times and met a lot of people as a Christian and as a preacher. And I still haven't met anyone who would stub their toe and say, Oh, Allah. Because there ain't nothing great about Allah. He can't fix your toe. He can't fix nothing. You know, how about if somebody's banging a nail and the hammer hits their thumb? They don't say, oh, Gahatma Buddha. Everything is about Jesus. You know why? Because there's something about that name. Come on, everybody. You don't realize when you got saved that you went straight to the top. Come on, say amen. When you called on Jesus, you went to the best. There's nowhere you can go once you say yes to Jesus. Come on, say amen. amen. No one has affected the world the way Jesus Christ has. Now the second little essay that I want to read to you this morning is called, Who is Jesus? Again, you know, these have been in my collection for years. But it helps you to understand what the prophet is saying when it says the problems of the world and the problems of your life will and can be solved because a child was born with a wonderful name. Okay, let me read to you the second essay. It's called Who is Jesus? So it begins by saying in chemistry... He turned water to wine. <laughs> In biology, he was born without the normal conception. In physics, he disapproved the law of gravity when he ascended into heaven. In economics, he disproved the law of diminishing return by feeding 5,000 men with two fish and five loaves of bread. Jesus bad, y'all. Didn't Steve Harvey say he's got the record for the biggest fish fry ever? In medicine, he cured the sick and the blind without administering a single dose of drugs. Whether it be COVID, vaccines, or boosters. In history, he is the beginning and the end. In government, he said that he shall be called Wonderful Counselor and Prince of Peace. In religion, he said no one comes to the Father except by him. He says, so who is he? He's Jesus. This is what the prophet said. He said, this wonderful name that is going to affect the world like no one else. Do you know the entire world changed when Jesus was born? And when we as Christians just get a small grasp 
of the great privilege we have of finding and knowing Christ, it should change the joy level in your life every single day. It should change your ability to walk with God and to be obedient. It should change your ability to be able to be faithful and to be committed. Because this child with this wonderful name has changed the world like no one else ever have. Everybody say thank you Jesus. His name leaves people amazed. And I think what the prophet was trying to convey to all of us is that the name of Jesus will do one of two things for all of us here today and those of you watching me online. The name of Jesus will either amaze you and cause you to look deeper into who he is or it will terrorize you and bring you to your knees in humility and repentance. That's what the name of Jesus has done in the world that we live in today. I just read the other day how that one of the schools here in Georgia was adopting one of the Christmas carols for their Christmas holiday song. And so the kids were able to write in, what is your favorite Christmas song? And, you know, everybody wrote all their different songs, but they wanted one that was traditionally a Christmas song. <clears throat> and so it, they eventually they decided on Deck the Halls with Bells of Holly, you know, the fa-la-la-la-la-la-la. And so when one of the parents complained and said, well, why did you choose that song? And the principal said, because it doesn't say the name Jesus or use the word Christmas. Now, I want you to think about that. This is a school adopting a Christmas song. And the one that he chose is basically one that he said, it doesn't use the name Jesus and it doesn't use the word Christmas. Here is a school staff that is terrorized by the name Jesus. That's the only conclusion you can come to. Is that that name bothers them. That name disturbs them. Like I said, it does either one of two things. It leaves you in awe. I've got to find out more about who Jesus is. Who this child with the wonderful name is. Or it will break you and terrorize you. And cause you to do all kind of crazy and foolish things. Like putting an X in front of the word mass and calling it Christmas. I don't know what an X-Mass is, and you should tell everybody you don't know what an X-Mass is either. You know, as soon as we get to about Thanksgiving every single year, you know, I go on a crusade. And if you all could just see me in action, you'd be so proud of me. I go on a crusade right after Thanksgiving where everywhere I go, I say Merry Christmas to people, and I dare them to say Happy Holiday. I'm on a crusade. I'm telling y'all, should see me in action. I go in the bank. I go in the dry cleaners anywhere. And Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. I said, what holiday is it? They, um, 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 I said, say it. Say it. <laughs> well, um, well, well, well. I said, just say it. Just say it. Christmas. I said, thank you. I said, now try this one. Say Merry Christmas. And they all start laughing. Merry Christmas. I said, doesn't that sound better? See, but the name Christ terrorizes people. I mean, companies change their policy. Schools change their policy. 
Governments do all kind of strange things because of this wonderful name that was prophesied 800 years before Christ was born. He said, this name will either amaze you or it will terrorize you. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm amazed at the name of Jesus. See, we are really in a cultural war. Let me give you two Bible verses before I move on in this. First of all, I want you to go to the Gospel of Luke. And I want you to look at chapter number two. Come on. The Gospel of Luke in the New Testament. Go to chapter number two. And there's just two small verses. Verse number 34 and verse 35. Come on, everybody. Come on. We're going to get through this real quickly. But I do want you to remember this. Now, this is part of the Christmas story of the birth of Christ. And it talks about a couple of people who are kind of obscure to the Christmas story. These are not people like Herod and the wise men and Mary and Joseph, people that everybody knows about. These are some obscure people. One of them is a man named Simeon. Look at it. Luke chapter 2. And look at verse number 34. Y'all there? All right, just follow it up on the screen. It says, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Y'all see it? Amen. Then it says, Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now Simeon is holding up this young Christ child. He's an old man, the Bible says. He's been waiting for the birth of the Messiah. And he gets to come and see this baby Jesus and holds up the baby and says, This child is going to cause the rising and the falling of many. In other words, Jesus is going to be like a, a line in the sand. Everybody on one side is going to rise and be blessed. And everybody on the other side is going to fall and be cursed. See, what side are you on today? What he's saying is no other figure in life is going to make this happen. It's only Jesus. He is going to determine whether you are blessed or whether you are cursed, whether you are saved or whether you are lost. It's all going to come down to what you think and what you do with Jesus. <laughs> Folks, that's why on a day like today, we simply preach Jesus. I don't care nothing about Buddha. He may have been a good man or a wise man, but he ain't Jesus. I don't care nothing about Allah. He may have been a significant man in the Middle East, but he ain't Jesus. Come on, y'all talk to me. I'm not worried about Jah Rastafari. I'm not worried about Maharishi and the Hindus. Listen, there's something about the name of Jesus alone. Hallelujah today. And I know that almost sounds offensive to people. But if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to have to just open your arms and accept one fact. That there's only one Jesus. Yeah. Hallelujah today. He said, this child is set for the rising and the falling of many in Israel. And he said, for some, it's like a sword piercing through your very soul. That's why when you just share the name of Jesus, 
You can stir up a demon by just walking up to somebody and saying Jesus. You can get people upset and frustrated. What does Isaiah said? He said, this name is wonderful. This name is an awesome name. Hallelujah. Now, you know, there used to be an NFL football player named Tim Tebow. Y'all remember old Tim Tebow? I heard he tried to make a comeback this year. It didn't go too well. But Tim Tebow was a born-again Christian. He's the guy that used to put John 3.16 on his sunscreen on his face. Always talking about Jesus. He's the one that always kneeled down at the beginning of every game and kneeled down at the end of every game. He loved God. Whenever they would play, they'd put the microphone in front of him after a game and all he would talk about is Jesus, my Savior. Jesus, my Savior. I love Jesus. Jesus helped us to win. And they'd always pull the microphone away and give it to somebody else. He'd pull it back. Jesus some more. And Jesus. And the people of ESPN and ABC and all, they'd get so angry. Because he just keeps talking about Jesus all the time. And you know them people ran that man out of the football league. All he's doing is talking about Jesus. What a script like a sword going through people's soul. I'd rather hear you talk about Satan than about Jesus. That's how powerful, that's how wonderful and awesome the name of Jesus really is. Now, I've got one last essay for you. I want you to listen to this. Because we're talking about a name that the Bible says that is above every other name. You all are familiar with Philippians that says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Who else in the world does the Bible say anything even close that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow. I'll tell you what that means. Is I don't care who you are, where you come from, what race you're involved in. One day, you're going to bow to Jesus. And he's either going to be your Lord or he's going to be your judge. One day, he said, every knee. You hear me? Every Muslim knee. Every Hindu knee, every black knee, every Chinese knee, every Hispanic knee, every Caucasian knee. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? He said every knee is going to bow and not just bow, but it's going to say it. It's going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Every knee. That's why we're preaching Jesus on this service today to remind the world we're not confused about who we are. Jesus said no one can come to the Father except for me. I'm tired of Christians not being a Christian. If you're going to be one, be one. Come on, say amen. Jesus is the answer. Say amen. Listen to this third little essay. It's called The Greatest Man in History. It says, the greatest man in history, Jesus had no servants, yet they called him master. He had no degree, yet they called him teacher. He had no medicines, but they called him healer. He had no army, yet the kings feared him. He won no military battles, but he conquered the world. 
He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, yet he lives today. Can you say amen? He said, this child will have a wonderful name. Now, just these three essays alone are something that you should take heed of, that the fact that the world has been changed by a man of no credential, with no significant history, that no one even respected, but yet the entire world is influenced by a man from Nazareth named Jesus. Folks, I'm so glad that Jesus found me. Aren't you glad that he found you? Woo! Now listen to the one thing I want to say before I finish what I'm saying today. We have one problem that we have to avoid when it comes to this time of the year. And not just this time of the year, but when it comes to us as children of God being witnesses of Christ. We have one problem we have to avoid, and that is the redefinition that our culture is pushing on everything significant and spiritual. What I mean by redefinition is some of you have not really paid attention because this has been so subtle. It began many, many years ago with just the simplest things without people even watching. But now here we are in the year 2021 and words don't mean what they used to mean anymore. They've been redefined, and because they're redefined, preaching the gospel has a different dynamic now. Years ago, when the Hispanic world in South America was having a revival, the Pope flew down from Rome in Italy to South America, and he declared that Catholics are no longer Catholics, that Catholics are Christian. Now, if you know anything about the Catholic religion before then, the Catholics would be very proud to tell you we are Catholic. Matter of fact, some used to tell me when I was first a Christian, said, no, 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 we're not Christians, we're Catholics. And even though they had the Bible and had the name of Jesus and believed in God and had the cross and all of that, their whole thing is that, you know, we're not like you Christians, we're Catholic. There was a big distinction but the Pope realized with all these people in South America coming to Jesus and these Pentecostal and gospel revivals, he had to go back and reclaim. So he re-identified the brand and that is now Catholics are also Christians. The Jehovah Witnesses did the exact same thing. They used to call themselves Jehovah Witnesses or they would say Witnesses. And they did the same thing. They said, hey, we have to reclaim the brand. Hey, we're Christians too. Listen, you're not a Christian if you you don't have Christ and so what has happened is the world has gone through a redefining and many people in the Christian church have been completely oblivious to what has happened right in front of our face I used to be happy when they used to call me gay in the first grade I remember Miss Jump was my first grade teacher. And I remember her calling me gay. Because I used to laugh and smile all the time. 
That's what the word meant. Try it now. I'm going to go upside somebody's head. Listen, folks. <laughs> that was in excess of 40 years ago. When gay meant gay. But these redefinitions have come. Woo! I used to love Coke. Listen, I've traveled around the world enough now. Somebody walk up to me and say, hey, want some Coke? You better find out what they're talking about. Come on, everybody. Because this redefinition has taken place. Do you all, do you all know that bad means good? I mean, it doesn't, but it does. Say, man, did you see that car? That car was bad. Well, is it bad, bad, or bad, good, bad? Hey, these redefinitions are serious. Now, you all laugh, but you don't realize when I'm preaching the gospel and trying to bring hope to the world, I'm saying something that they're not hearing. I'm preaching a message about hope and salvation and so many words are redefined that people aren't even coming to Christ anymore or at least not the Christ of the Bible. Because everything has been so changed and now preachers got to break it down and break it down and break it down and down down to the simplest commonest denominator and then people go, oh, that's what you're talking about. Yeah! sit right in church losing their soul don't even realize the power of the message of the gospel because of this redefinition that has taken place Isaiah said that Jesus name is wonderful I'm talking about the real wonderful I'm not talking about Steph Curry breaking of the record for the most three-pointers and, and you know, the, on the website that I go to it said this is amazing this is wonderful no it's not it's good but it ain't wonderful I'm not in awe like he made a three-point shot didn't do anything for me ain't paying my light bill ain't paying my rent ain't helping me when I'm sick come on talk to me there's nothing wonderful about making three point shots or winning an NFL championship and so you know right in front of our face these things have been completely changed and the reason I send out a warning is because the Bible means what it says. That his name is wonderful. Hallelujah. I said his name is wonderful. They're talking about the new iPhone. Wonderful. He ain't wonderful. 
That's what technology does. I'm not going to get a new iPhone and go, <gasps> that polar bear gets me more excited than an iPhone. We're talking about the handiwork of God. Come on. We're talking about something that is so amazing. Just think about what heaven will be like. Come on, think about the rapture of the church when Jesus comes to take us all home and, and we get to be with our Lord and Savior forever and ever. I get to see my dad and my mom again. We get to see those that have gone on before us. Think about the joy and the hope, come on, that the gospel brings forth. That is wonderful. Can you say amen? That is something that should leave us in awe. I'm not worried about some tires on the car or hi-fi in the house there's nothing as wonderful as the name of Jesus Christ you know I'm done but let me just say I was reading the other day about a farmer in New Zealand some of you might have seen this it wasn't this year I think it might have been the last couple of years or so but the story made its way out of New Zealand. You know, New Zealand and Australia are known as countries that have a lot of sheep. They have a lot of sheep herders and huge sheep farms, thousands and thousands of sheep. And this particular sheep farmer told the story of one of the mother sheep that had a small baby lamb and the mother sheep died right after the baby lamb was born. And being concerned for the little lamb didn't have his mom to nurse it and to raise it, he got concerned except for on the other side of the flock. He had another mother sheep who had a baby lamb. But then the baby lamb died. And so in his mind, wait a minute. Over here, the mother sheep died and has got an abandoned baby. Over here, the baby died and doesn't have a mom. He said, what a great opportunity. I'll just bring the two together, bring the living mom to the living baby. And even though they're not biologically the same, I'll put them together. Mom will take care of this little baby and everything will be fine. So he brings the little live newborn lamb to the mom whose baby had died and the mother rejected it. And he's trying to push it up under, you know, so it would nurse it, but it kept putting his head and bucking it away. And he couldn't figure out what's going on. You've lost your baby. He's lost his mama. This is the perfect situation. Y'all come together and everybody can be blessed. But mama wasn't having it. That ain't my baby. So he talked to some of the other farmers and one of them told him, said, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to cut off some of the hair of the dead baby and put it on the living baby. He said, just cut it off in patches and just stick it on there, on his face, around his body, around his legs, and then take him and put him with the new mother. And after about two or three days, you can take the hair off. Mom will get used to it. 
And so he said he did. He cut off some of the hair from the dead baby lamb, put it on the living one, and took it. Mom was sniffing around and received it and began to nurse it and to take care of it. And one of the preachers in Australia is the one who let the story out saying, because it, it, it shows us the power of what the gospel really is is that here we are like that little baby lamb alienated from God. Are y'all hearing me? Literally rejected by God because of our sinfulness. See, sin cannot survive in God's presence. He said, but you know what Jesus did? Woo, that wonderful name. You see, you see what he did? What he did, see, he became man and God. Mm, Y'all ain't talking to me. See, and as he took a little bit of man and, and, and began to, to associate himself with the need that we had in our life. And God was able to receive us because of Jesus. And now here we are saved, clothed, and in our right mind because of what Jesus Christ has done in reconciling all of us back to God. Amen. Don't you for a minute think that church is all about singing and choirs and dinners. Church is about Jesus. Amen. Don't you think that church is all about you coming and meeting somebody and getting some needs met and getting some bills paid. You're going to lose everything. Church is all about Jesus. Amen. It's all about God coming and putting you back so God can receive you into his eternal kingdom. And that's why the prophet said, everything is going to be fixed because a child is born with a wonderful name. Y'all say the name Jesus. Jesus. You ought to say it for the rest of the day. You ought to say it before you go to bed. You ought to say it when you're having your dinner. You ought to say it when you wake up in the morning and cause the demons to be terrorized because of your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me encourage every one of you. Don't let the world redefine anything about church. Anything about Jesus. Anything about the Bible. Anything about prayer. And remember there's no other name under heaven. That is wonderful except the name of Jesus. Amen everybody. Let's take a moment to pray. I want you to bow your heads with me everybody. I so appreciate all of you today. And I thank God for the fact that we can come here and worship God. I thank Sister Renee for singing that wonderful song for us here today. But our business is not complete until we pray and make our own personal commitments to the Lord Jesus Christ. His name shall be wonderful. Keep your head bowed, everybody, for just a moment. Keep your eye closed. Father, we thank you. God, we can't thank you enough for all that you've done to bring us this great salvation. How we appreciate your birth, your life, and your resurrection that we could be saved. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Keep your head bowed. Keep your eye closed. If you're in here today or you're watching us online, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for making our church part of your holiday season. 
You're so grateful. I know there's other places you could have gone, but you've just come to worship God with us and we lift up that wonderful name of Jesus. Maybe you're struggling. We all struggle from time to time. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're battling. And as you've come here today, all is not well in your life. All is not well with your soul. We thank God that you made it out of the house today, but you couldn't say with any kind of certainty that you are 100% sure that I'm right with God, Pastor, that I've made my own peace with the Lord, that I've accepted him. Maybe you've come here today and there's tears, broken heart, confusion, doubts, and worry. Maybe about your own life, your family, future, your friends. Well, the prophet says, there's a child with a great name that will come into your life and by simply putting faith in his work on the cross, you can find hope, help, and healing. Your whole life can be turned around in a moment of time because of this child with this wonderful name, Jesus. The Bible says that all of the spoils of the enemy will be turned to your favor. It says even the government will be upon his shoulder. It says there's nothing that would be impossible with him. And today he's very much alive and right here in this building with us. His presence is moving through these chairs, sitting on you right now, asking you a question. Is it well with your soul? Come on, do you know? Do you know for sure that if God were to call you home right now, that you're ready to go and be with him? Or you in a lot of doubt knowing that I'm not living for God, I'm not saved, I'm not ready, Pastor. Maybe you feel like I'm young and I'm out here in the world and I got to do my own thing and you're right. You're absolutely free to choose to do your own thing. The only problem is you don't know what tonight will bring. You don't know what tomorrow morning will bring. Don't gamble with the most precious thing you have and that's your soul. Surrender to God while he's speaking to you today. I'm talking to somebody right now. Maybe you've been backslidden. Maybe you were young and you came to Christ. Joined the church. But you decided to walk away. And you've turned away from God right now and God's calling you home. Come on, don't wrestle with God anymore. Let today be the day you surrender. Let Christmas of 2021 be part of your history. I rededicated myself to God. Come on, I'm going to pray for you right now. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Please, no one, for just a couple of moments, don't look around. If you're here and you need God in your life, can I say a prayer for you? Come on, if you've never had an honest moment, be honest with God right now. Say, Pastor, I know I'm not where I need to be but I sure want to be right. Would you surrender to Christ? Can I say a prayer for you? 
quickly just slip up your hand and just put it back down just as a symbol to me that you want prayer before you go say pastor pray for me i want to know jesus i want to get saved i always hear people talking about repenting and getting saved and joining the church and getting baptized and down in your heart you always want to be at peace with god but you're afraid to surrender listen don't be afraid of god be afraid of this world the world has hundreds of ways to take your young life out the world has hundreds of ways to keep you from ever coming to god don't be worried about god all god's going to do is love on you and forgive you come to the lord jesus christ come to that wonderful name today Anybody at all? Can I say a prayer for you? Slip your hand up and then put it back down just before we be dismissed in prayer. Anybody at all? Come on. If you're unsaved and you've been putting this off or you've been backslidden away from God and you say, you know what? I, I'm just too busy for church right now, Pastor. I got money to make. I got things to do. You're right. You can make that choice. But I wouldn't be trying to hold off in this world that we live in today. I'd be trying to run to the Lord Jesus hallelujah well what we're going to do before we dismiss the service is we're all going to stand together would you all do me a favor let's all stand to our feet we're going to sing a song your name alright brother Will is going to lead us in this chorus just sing it with me everybody just worship the Lord just before we dismiss come on hallelujah
begin to praise the Lord's name, everybody. Come on. Come on, everybody, together, join me. Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. Your name, hallelujah, Jesus. 